Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our scripture lesson today starts with Proverbs chapter 31, verses 25 through 31. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. We have gospel messages from today, Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And from John 19, verses 25 through 27. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Here ends the gospel of the day. Thank you. Thank you for reading those, Barbara. A little footnote. It's in the old Hebrew scriptures and isn't included when we actually read it, is that in the book of Proverbs, this is the very tail end of the book of Proverbs, much of which I refer to as God's bumper stickers or God's needlepoint, the nuggets of, of different kinds of wisdom and advice and even exhortation and admonishment. And from, actually from verse 10, chapter 31, to the very end of Proverbs, there's a little tiny footnote in Hebrew that says, advice to King Lemuel from his mother on looking for a wife. The only thing we know about King Lemuel, looking for him in history, is that his mother was quite wise. We know nothing else about him except these verses. So that's a, a special blessing to her name, that her works praise her in the gates. That's every time people gather. Now, I don't, I know it's mixed blessings sometimes for pastors. We have a schedule that we can follow over a three-year reading cycle, and we often do. It gives Eric music and, and me images from preaching to, to use on a, on a cycle, but we don't, we're not stuck with it as good congregationalists. So something that is kind of cynically called a hallmark holiday, like Mother's Day, because it was, was invented actually by a church woman but got kind of taken over by business pretty quickly after she started it. 
She kind of regretted starting the thing afterwards, but it's okay. And I've told some of these stories before, bear with me, but I have several friends who are likely to go for a nice hike on a morning like this or, or take a drive with, with husband because for them, Mother's Day is something that never happened. Try as they wanted to, it didn't. So happy Mother's Day doesn't ring quite right for some folks, so let's try to redeem that a bit if we can. Lady of, of a number of years in another church, like you know, a long time ago in a parish far, far away, was handed her carnation on Mother's Day morning by one of the teenage girls. And I'm afraid she rebuffed this poor teenage girl. I think the word snapped might even have been used. I'm not a mother, I don't get one of those. Because she'd wanted to be a mom many years before. And that, as, as happens in the description in the Bible, that time was long past for her as a woman, as the Bible would put it. And we talked about the different ways that people are moms and mothers. And Rose was a mother to the whole parish. She kept the little parish house that was attached to the church. She kept the calendar of the parish house. I once wrote something in in pen instead of pencil and got corrected that certain things were written in pen when the Women's Fellowship approved them, but in pencil by anybody else. And I didn't have the power of the pen on the, the parish house calendar. But in other ways, she very much mothered that group, the, the Tremont Ladies Aid Society and the, the activities of the parish, the baked bean and covered dish suppers that earned us money twice in the summertime in that little coastal church. And after I explained what moms were on the way out, she apologized to the girl and asked if she could have her flower back. So it happens. Sadder story still, and this is not one particular family. It's happened to me a couple of times, and it, it grieves my heart deeply. When I'm asked to conduct a funeral for someone I didn't know, in this case a mother, and grown man says to me as we're planning the scripture readings and whatnot, he said, now look, don't think we didn't love our mother but if you get up there and start talking about the good cook and the warm mothering and the loving relationships, my sister will spit in your eye on the way out the door. And I almost cried. I almost cried. Life is full, and if we look at the scripture, people outside the church, I don't know if this ever happened to you, maybe it's my line of work that it draws these comments. The Bible's full of all kinds of bad people. The Bible's full of wars and murders and all kinds of other things. Well, yes, but it's not a how-to book necessarily, is it? There are some chapters of the Bible that are very much a how-not-to book. In C.S. Lewis' book, Paralandra, part of the Silent Planet trilogy, not nearly as well-known as the Chronicles of Narnia, but a good read, three, three fairly short books. The planet Venus is being born and he meets the mother of that world. And she says to him, greet your mother. And she said it to him a couple of times before he realized it was a capital M. What she was saying was greet Eve. 
Well, what happened with Eve? Now, we're not blaming Eve because she's the archetype, she's the model for how curiosity can kill even life in Eden. And before anybody thinks I'm blaming Eve for the fact that we're not in Eden, remember what Adam said when God asked him about it? Well, God, it was that woman that you gave me. So Adam was even dumber, if you can imagine that. But examples all of that. Poor Eve, talk about a heartbreak. The first mother, and one of her sons kills the other one. Heartbreak right from the first story of motherhood in the Bible. We get some colorful stories of motherhood. Poor Abraham took Sarah seriously when she said, well, let's use my Egyptian handmaiden Hagar as a surrogate. I won't mind. I'm dumb enough to believe it. And we wound up with moms jealous between the kids and Ishmael and Hagar got run out of town. And to this day, if you want to follow the history, the Arabs who hate the Jews so badly are the descendants of Ishmael. They're half-brothers. They're cousins. And that resentment lives to this day as an example of families run amok. We have examples too, however, like Naomi, whose two sons died. Their, their names, by the way, in Hebrew meant puny and sickly, so it was kind of foredestined. And her one daughter-in-law, Orpah, went home to her people. But the other one, Ruth, we have a whole book named Ruth in the Bible for her. Because Naomi said, go home to your people. I'm not going to have sons in time for you to marry again from my family. And Ruth said, I've left my people. She was a Moabite, by the way. If you read in the book of Ruth, she's named Ruth the Moabite. I don't know how many times. I should have counted them before I got up here to talk about it. But she's always Ruth the Moabite. In Maine, we would have said she's Ruth the girl from away. There's a woman in Verplanks Point, New York, that Kathy reminds me of once in a while, who for all her life, having moved across the river to Verplanks Point, was always that girl from Stony Point across the river. They said up in Maine, we'd have said, that girl from away. She was not one of us. She wasn't brought up here. Well, that was Ruth. And we have that famous saying, where you go, I will go. Where you make your home, I'll make my home. Where your God is, will be my God as well. And goes along with Naomi, back home to the Jewish people, finds this this distant relative of Naomi's named Boaz. And I think it's what, 46 generations before David is something crazy like that. Ruth the Moabite is one of the great, 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 great whatever grandmothers of King David, who's one of the great, 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 great grandfathers of the family that bore Jesus into the world. Wow. Because of a mother-in-law's love was so great Ruth said, no, I'll go with you and take care of you. I don't want to break up the family. And of course, even in the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I mentioned that Abraham and his wife got kind of in a, in a fluff over the kids. How about Rebecca, Isaac's wife? Now, Rebecca hadn't always been treated real well by Isaac. You might want to read that story. He put her in a couple of bad spots. 
But then when Jacob, the wrestler, Jacob, the one who was born as a twin, grasping his brother's heel, trying to get out first, stole the birthright, stole the blessing. First, he, he convinced Esau to give it up with food, but then he conned Isaac into giving him the blessing of the firstborn son. Rebecca favored one son so much over the other that she cooked the curried goat or whatever the dish was. It was goat. We don't know how she fixed it, but Isaac loved it. And used the goat skin to make Jacob seem like his hairy brother Esau. So when Isaac said, it's Jacob's voice, but the hands are rough like Esau. And Jacob got the blessing that belonged to the firstborn brother because mom helped him cheat. Oh, dear. I said there are examples both ways, didn't I? And poor Rebecca now, that's, you know, there's history to Rebecca's story too. And Rachel and Leah and the, the family that finally bore all those kids. And it wasn't so much mom in that case as it was Jacob who favored one son so badly that he got sold off by his brothers. Almost puts yourself on family, doesn't it? If you read the wrong examples out of the Bible, then there are the others. I mentioned Naomi. We have Elizabeth, who was one of those who probably, if they had a Mother's Day back then, Elizabeth would have been the one to breathe the sigh and said, not for me. Until, through the promise of an angel and the blessings of God, she wound up bearing John the Baptist, the precursor of our Lord. The preacher who taught the baptism, the preacher said, the worthy one is coming, came after him. And Mary herself, quite young probably, still betrothed, engaged, visited by an angel with such a, such a shocking news that the angel had to go see Joseph and say, now listen, you're going to go along with this. Well, Buchanan's paraphrase, okay, it was better said in the scriptures. And forever blessed. I mean, God did not have to take on our substance, or maybe he did. But as I like to tell a confirmation class just to watch him stare at me, without Mary, we'd have a Lord without a belly button. He wouldn't be just like us. And through Mary's faithful obedience, we, we, talk, we sang about singing Mary. By the way, that first hymn was written by a mentor and friend of mine who pastored my home church in Bangor, Maine, who wrote that for the occasion of his mother retiring from teaching Sunday school for about 35 consecutive years. So that was for his mother. He also told me it was the only politically correct hymn he ever wrote, and that was by accident. So, anyway. Mary, we're told that Mary's poem, Mary's proclamation, my soul magnifies the Lord, is like a song. It's called a canticle in, in fancy words of literature. It's a song about the obedience, about the praise. But the prophecy was, and a sword will pierce your heart too, Mother, you will know great grief. We only try to imagine that great grief. Another mom who didn't quite get it was the mother, the wife of Zebedee. Remember who the wife of Zebedee was? Unknowing stairs. I know, I'm picking trivia out of the Bible. James and John 
When Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration or went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, he always took three inner circle with him, Peter, James, and John. James and John were the sons of Zebedee the fisherman. And Jesus nicknamed James and John Boanerges, sons of thunder. Apparently they were mouthy ones. Or so that kind of name would imply. And the gospel, two different gospels have them asking Jesus, but in one they sent mom. Mom comes to Jesus and the boys are kind of listening over her shoulder. And she kneels in front of the rabbi and says, Lord, I wish to ask you for something. Yes, mother, what is it? She says, well, I want you to promise that one of my sons will sit at your right hand and the other at your left when you come into your kingdom. He looks at the boys and he says, can you drink the cup I have to drink? Can you tread the path I have to tread? Oh, yes, Lord, we're ready to do anything, go anywhere with you. Uh-huh. They ran like the rest of them when the time came. Mom didn't get it. Now, she was trying. We try for our kids, don't we? The wife of Zebedee, Mrs. Zebedee, we don't have her first name. Just use James and John's mother. Tried. But not only did Jesus and God through Jesus bless motherhood for the world, he, he showed on the cross, he uttered seven things. He only had breath for seven, and that's, that's a miracle he could speak, let alone that one of them was for forgiveness. But one of them was, mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Speaking to John, the evangelist, the one who wrote the Gospel of John and the, the book of Revelation. The one who referred to himself all the way to the last verse in John when he finally lets on who he is. All through the Gospel, he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. And Jesus, in his dying breaths, had the care to say, John, adopt my mother. Mother, adopt John. John, she's going to need you. She certainly did. But even at that point in his life, Jesus is saying, let's make sure mom's taken care of too. And we can only imagine as they traveled, we don't get the details of it, but there are Women who, through their husband's wealth and through their own earned wealth, sustained the disciples. They funded the traveling preaching, if you will. They went along and helped with the cooking and preparations and support. And there were many women learning among the disciples. Some we get by name. And here we have, at the foot of the cross, three Marys and Jesus' aunt. Mary's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene, Mary Jesus' own mother, and that Mary's sister. That presence, that mothering, that mom care was there throughout. One of Jesus' healings, you'll remember, was Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Went into the home and they thought she'd had it. And of course, he raised her out of her illness. Cherish all the ways. Now, I'm a sexist. I'll admit it. Guys, we have one kind of caregiving and strength. 
Moms tend to have a different one. And yes, they overlap. I'm not going to try to draw a fine line between. But God has given all kinds of gifts of parenting, all kinds of gifts of mothering. And whether you want to call it a hallmark holiday or we bring it into church today, show and share that, that familial love, that love of brothers and sisters, especially for those who have had to be moms in other ways and may not even realize just how much. And if you know a family or can support a family or maybe you're in a family, like the one where that, that young man had to say, uh, don't speak too warmly about mom or my sister will walk out. That kind of heartbreak. If you are part of or can support a relationship that needs to be mended, I know better than I want to admit from here what it feels like to be part of a family with unreconciled differences when a mother is no longer there to be part of the reconciliation. Because if I tried to tell you, I'd be in tears. Seek the reconciliation in any relationship, but especially, especially where something is abrupted with a mother. Seek to help, support, pray, comfort, guide, whatever it takes. That blessing can be restored in all the different mothering relationships of our lives. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.